Assalamu alaikum, welcome to episode 34 of the Millionaire Muslim podcast. And if it's your first time here, then welcome and thanks for listening. Our podcast is all about halal investing, personal finance and entrepreneurship. So if that sounds like it's up your street, then give this episode a listen, subscribe and also check out our content over at www.islamicfinanceguru.com. Not sure why I said www. because that's quite obvious, but in any event, you should subscribe and you should check out the content. And if you're a regular onto this podcast, then welcome once more. And I hope you are going to enjoy this episode, which is all about a pretty big, important topic, and that is the timely topic of zakat. And I say it's timely because we are at the time of recording in the last 10 nights of Ramadan. So I hope Ramadan is going well for all of you guys. And zakat is traditionally one of those times of year. I'm not sure exactly why. It's probably because it's quite an easy time to remember. But mostly, certainly in my experience, a lot of people use this time of year to pay their zakat. So I thought that it would be a good excuse to do an episode on zakat because it's one of those topics that it's so important but because we only need to do it once a year our research and our fresh knowledge of zakat it goes a little bit stale during the year and then we have to pick it up again the next time that we need to pay zakat which inevitably is ramadan for many of us so this zakat constantly you know it needs refreshing our knowledge of zakat and much of the fiqhi side of uh, you know the deen is settled has long been settled but zakat is one of those topics and one of those you know really big vast areas that still has lots and lots of uh, difference of opinion on lots of different areas of zakat so it's very much a live moving issue and zakat is very much an important issue it's one of the you know it's one of the five pillars so it doesn't really get much more important than that and specifically from our angle from an islamic finance guru angle one of the things that i've noticed certainly as i've got older is that my zakat situation is getting increasingly complex because of the fact that as i'm adding to my assets with various types of investments the zakat question becomes even more pertinent you know what do you do with zakat on shares on property on funds and all these other things that we invest in so that's what i want to talk about today i want to talk about zakat on these different types of investment and specifically i want to give you five zakat tips that hopefully are going to serve as aha moments for you you know i really want it to be stuff that I mean, hopefully you do know all of it. That would be great. But if you've not, you know, if you if you don't know what it is, then I would love for you to to gain something from this podcast. Um, and the 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 thinking behind all this is that recently Ibrahim and I were doing a bunch of research on on zakat because we were building a zakat guide. And I'm going to tell you at the end how to get our purpose built zakat guide, and you can get hold of it from us directly. And during this episode, I want to give you five tips. And as we go through each tip. I want you guys to make a note of how many of these tips you actually knew about beforehand and what out of these tips is new learning for you. And let me know. Let me know on email, mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com. Let me know, you know, what you found useful, what you didn't know before, you know, if you've got any questions. I suspect that some questions probably will come out of this. So feel free to drop me a line, mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com, and you might as well 
copying Ibrahim as well, Ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com because inevitably it is probably going to be him that's responding on the fiqh matters. So let's dive right into it. Tip number one is probably one that you all know, but a lot of Muslims don't necessarily know this because they think that zakat is generally just given at a rough time of year. But the tip is that really you should have a very specific date for your zakat. So if you don't have one, then you should set one and you should stick to it every year going forward. And you want to make this an Islamic date rather than you know a, a standard date. So you don't want to say you know the, the 1st of June every year because Islamically that's not the same every year. So for example, if you said, I don't know, the 20th of Ramadan every year is when I am going to pay zakat, then yes, you should absolutely do that. So set a date. It doesn't need to be Ramadan, but as I said earlier, a lot of us do use Ramadan. Set a date, stick to it. I'm as guilty of this as anybody else, but I need to change this starting this year. Um, you know, Really make sure you've got all your affairs sorted, everything's calculated by that date, and get your zakat payment sorted by that date. Tip number two, we're going to talk specifically now about actual things that we need to worry about when it comes to calculating our zakat. So tip number two is all about shares. What do you do when you have shares in a company? How do you approach the zakat on that? And the reality is, as I said in the intro, there are a lot of approaches when it comes to shares. I'm going to discuss two of the main ones, two that I find you know quite sensible. The first approach is where you say about your your company, the particular company that you're invested in, that 40% of the assets that that company has are zakatable. So let me explain that. The key point here is that when you're invested in a company, not all of the assets within that company are zakatable. Only the liquid assets are zakatable and liquid are you know liquid means cash or things that are easily converted into cash so i'm talking about things like stock or receivables as two pretty straightforward examples only liquid assets are zakatable but how do you work that out so as i say the first approach is you assume that 40% of the assets of that company are zakatable and so you take 40% of your holding and you pay 2.5% on that, which is the same thing as saying pay 1% of the value of your entire holding. Now, the reason where this 40% figure comes in, it's not just you know blindly plucked out of thin air. There is data to suggest that of the um, FTSE, I believe it's the FTSE 100 companies, there was uh, analysis done on this and as an average, the 40% figure was what came out as being, uh, you know, the, the kind of standard for the percentage of zakatable assets that were held within a company. Now, of course, this is an average. It's not going to be 100% right, just by, by, by its very definition. But across a portfolio of companies, it will probably be pretty much accurate. You will get some companies that are lower, perhaps much lower. I know, for example, that I've got investments in you know certain companies that have you know nowhere near forty percent. They've got like one or two percent 
uh, zakatable assets within their balance sheet. And the reason for that usually is because they don't have much by way of liquid assets. What they have on the balance sheet are often intangible assets, things like, you know, they've got a lot of property, plant or machinery, or they've got a lot of value associated with their intellectual property. You know, stuff like that isn't liquid, and that therefore is not zakatable. So you will get some companies like that. On the flip side, you will, I have got companies in my portfolio that are more than 40%. And, and that's, you know, where the opposite is true. They have got a lot more in zakatable assets, i.e. liquid assets. So, it, you know, this we're not saying here that 40% is, you know, some absolute magic number. But broadly speaking, across a portfolio of companies, it probably will be there or thereabouts. And it's a reasonably conservative estimate for you to work out your zakat. So the the first approach on shares is basically in a nutshell take 1% of your entire holding. So let's say you hold 2000 pounds of shares in I don't know BT for example, you would then say okay, 1% of that is going to be 20 pounds and that's how much zakat you would pay. And like I say, the, the 1% comes from the fact that what you're basically saying is it's 40% of the assets are zakatable and then you're going to pay 2.5% on that. So that's the first approach, which is, a, you know, it's a nice, sensible approach. But the second approach really is, is my preferred approach. It's what I personally do and so does Ibrahim. Um, and that approach is where you manually work out all of your investee companies assets and you you know you really look into the balance sheet and you figure out what is zakatable and what is not now obviously this is a lot more hands-on we've got a guide on on the website on how to do this we have got uh, on, on islamicfinanceguru.com uh, how to work out how to really look at the balance sheet it's quite straightforward really you just need to go to the latest set of accounts you need to look at the balance sheet specifically and you need to figure out within the assets what in there is liquid and then you add that up as a monetary value and you work that out as um, a percentage of the market capitalization of the company so let's say for example you know a, a company has 20 percent so let's say for example it's five million pounds of zakatable assets that you see in the balance sheet and in the uh, in the, the the company itself the valuation of the company the market capitalization is i don't know 20 million you would say okay okay a quarter of the company is zakatable 25% so i'm going to pay well 25% of my holding is zakatable so let's say for example you hold a thousand pounds of shares 250 pounds is zakatable and you then pay two and a half percent on 250 pounds which would be six pounds and 25 pence so you see there that you have it's a much more hands-on approach but it's a lot more accurate and if you've got the wherewithal and the understanding to be able to do that then you should definitely do that the other thing to remember crucially that in your share account if you've got any cash sitting in there so that could be because you know you, you 
the the round figure didn't quite make it into the investments so you've got like a a pound or two pounds odd sitting in cash um, or you've received a dividend you might have received dividends that you've forgotten about you might have a few hundred or, or you know a few thousand pounds potentially sat in your share account just in cash if that's in there even though it's in your share account it's still counted as cash and you need to pay full zakat on it so if you've got you know a grand lying in your share account sat as cash waiting to be invested then you need to pay two and a half percent zakat on that one thousand pounds so that's shares so two approaches on shares the 40 percent approach and the manual approach we prefer the manual approach so inshallah try and do that but if not then the 40 percent approach is a good rule of thumb now not all of you will hold shares some of you will so that may or may not be relevant but most of you i would suggest probably do hold a workplace pension now what do we do about workplace pensions and this is tip number three workplace pensions here and i'm not talking about final salary schemes or anything like that we've covered that in the pensions guide sorry not in the pensions guide the zakat guide we've covered it in the zakat guide and we're only talking here about workplace pensions one where you contribute something your employer contributes something and then that gets invested into something in the background which hopefully by the way i'm, uh, I'm hoping all our audience is invested in sharia compliant funds now workplace pensions the caveat that i'm going to open up with here is that like a lot of zakat related issues there are a lot of opinions on workplace pensions i'm going to talk very briefly about some of them just so that you've got an understanding and then i'm going to talk about what our preferred approach is and what i do personally so one view is that on pensions you wait for you wait for the receipt of the pension so you wait until you actually get the for whole the whole pension amount in and then you pay the amounts of zakat that would have been historically due throughout your lifetime practically what that means is that you'll need a breakdown of the value of your pension as it was on each zakat date in order to be able to do this so that's one approach another approach is that you pay zakat when you receive your pension but you don't need to do the backwards projection that we just talked about so that's approach number two and then there's a third approach which i recently listened to a yasir qadi lecture and this is his current view in, in 2019 um his view on workplace pensions i mean he refers to it in the u.s terms as a i believe it's a 401k he says that you should pay zakat on the full value of the pension so you know if you log into your aviva or your scottish widows or whatever it is and your pension pot even though you've not received it your the paper worth of your pension is i don't know let's say a hundred thousand pounds he says that you should pay two and a half percent on that entire and i think part of his reasoning and I, and I might be wrong on this but from from what i understood from him part of his reasoning was that if you are somebody with you know a paper worth, even though it's a paper worth of a hundred thousand pounds in a pension you shouldn't really be struggling to pay you know the, the two and a half thousand pounds in zakat that would be due on that because you wouldn't have amassed that amount of pension without being you know relatively well off 
that's that's uh, that's the approach that he's taking currently. Um, you know, interestingly, by by his own admission, he has kind of changed his view on this several times over the past few years, and that's testament to the fact that this is a really really tricky area. And you know, the the more information you receive, you you're constantly having to revise your views and 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 credit to to Sheikh Yasser Khadi because you know sometimes you can be uh, reticent or reluctant to to change views but i think he's somebody that's quite open to to doing that and you know openly uh, changing that where it, where it's necessary and this is his current view that you pay the amount of the full uh, you pay the full zakat amount on the full amount of the pension the worth of the pension now let's come to our in-house view uh, in terms of what what we follow at IFG so our view is that you should pay zakat on your pension every year, even though it's not in your possession. But we don't take the view that you should treat it like cash, basically, and pay 2.5% on the whole thing. So that's Yasser Qadir's view. Yasser Qadir's view is, you know, basically treat it like cash, pay 2.5% on the whole thing. And it's not just his view, by the way, but it's, you know, that's an approach. The reason we are kind of reluctant to follow this approach is because... Our view is that the workplace pension, when you look through it, most of the time it's invested in equities funds, i.e. funds that are invested in the stock market. Now, given that that's the case, the fact that it's a pension or not a pension is really not that relevant. What's relevant is what's going on underneath. And the fact of the matter is that that money... Let's let's take that hundred thousand pounds as an example. That hundred thousand pounds is invested in a fund. Now we in tip number two said that when it comes to shares and the same approaches for funds as well, you, you know you, you you don't really take the whole market value. At, at best or at worst, you take uh, a sensible approach of a forty percent, uh, you know, zakatable assets view. And and that's what we think should be happening here. So if you've got £100,000 in a pension pot, that £100,000 is invested in a fund. Then our approach is to say, okay, you take the the, the approach that 40% of that is zakatable and you pay 2.5% of that, which is, again, the same as saying 1% of, of the market value of what you've got. So on £100,000, you would pay £1,000 zakat. That's the approach that we prefer. We think that that makes sense, given what's actually going on underneath. But again, the, the caveat to all of this is that there are a lot of respected scholars on lots of different sides here. So frankly, nobody's right and nobody's wrong. Um, it's ultimately just about you know your approach and you know who what you follow and who you choose to follow and and ultimately it comes down to to taqwa and some of you may prefer to err on the side of caution if you're not comfortable with things but this is our approach when it comes to workplace pensions and the key point here though is that given that many of you listening to this will have a workplace pension you you definitely need to account for it when it comes to your zakat calculations because you know when i talk to people they're not even thinking about their workplace pension when it comes to calculating their zakat so tip number three workplace pensions you've heard the different scholarly approaches decide what you what approach you want to come down on 
but definitely it needs to be factored into your overall calculation. Cool, so we've done tip number one, which is make sure you have a zakat date. Tip number two was all about how to approach shares, and we talked about the 40% approach or the manual approach. Tip number three was about workplace pensions, and we talked about a bunch of different views. And ultimately, the, the point that I want to get across is that make sure you're accounting for your workplace pension when it comes to your zakat. Tip number four, the new one, is about property. So property, it's you know it's fairly well known that you don't pay property on the house that you're living in or that any dependents live in. But what do we do about you know property investments? So if you're invested with somebody like Hilders or Igloo or you know you've got your own buy to let property, what do we do? So the answer here is relatively straightforward. You pay zakat if if the intention is purely that you're renting it out and you want to take income from this investment, then you pay zakat on the rental income only. So, you know, if you're going to get £5,000 income, then you pay zakat on that £5,000. You don't pay zakat on the whole value of the entire property. Now, where you do pay zakat on the whole value of the entire property is if you are holding it with the intention of reselling it, then you do need to pay zakat on the whole value of the property. However, there is a however. If you only own a portion of that property that you're planning to resell, then you only pay on whatever proportion that you own, which which makes sense. So, you know, if you've got uh, an Al-Rayyan or whatever it is, mortgage, and in that you own and 30% of your buy-to-let property, then you would only pay zakat on the 30% that you own. Crucially though, when it comes to um, the, the zakat on the rental income, you can deduct your expenses. So if you know, for example, that over the course of the year, you, know, you, you took in uh, 10,000, but 8,000 of that went in mortgage payments or expenses for, you know, I don't know, the, the roof was leaking or something, then you can deduct that from your income when it comes to assessing what zakat you are paying. So the bottom line is, if you're buying to let, then pay zakat on your rental income. If you're buying to sell, then pay zakat on whatever proportion of the home that you own. If you own the whole, if you own the whole thing, then you pay zakat on the entire market value of the property. If you only own thirty percent, forty percent, whatever it is, then you pay thirty, forty percent of the entire market value. Tip number five is all about loans and debts when it comes to your personal life. So, you know, many of us will have loans that are uh, uh, that we've loaned out to to family or friends or whoever. Many of us will have debts on us that we owe to other people. How do we actually account for these things when it comes to zakat? So let's take them in turn. When it comes to loans that you have given to other people, again, there are a multitude of, of views on this, but basically, if you expect to receive it back and you know you, you can basically count on receiving it pretty shortly, then you should pay zakat on it in full at the time that you are doing your zakat even if you've not actually got the money back if you believe it to be you know a good debt and it's it's due to come in then you should pay zakat on it 
The alternative is that even if you think it's a good debt, you could wait for it to come back in, and then having having done that, you pay zakat on it, but you also project backwards for when the zakat was actually due in that intervening period. So let's say, for example, I loan some money to somebody and it takes them two years for them to pay it back to me and I haven't paid zakat in those two years. So when I get it back, I would then project backwards and say, when was zakat due during these two years? I'm, I, there, were, you know, there were two Ramadans in this period of time and this, I don't know, this 10,000 pounds that I lent out I would have had X amount of zakat due in year one and in year two, and therefore I'm paying this zakat now. So you can also take that approach when it comes to loans. When it comes to debts, you know, again, a, a number of views on this, but where I believe Ibrahim and I landed the, the last time we spoke on this was that when it comes to debts, you've got stuff like your student loan or your mortgage or whatever you know really big long-term debts you don't deduct these because they're not they're not really due uh, really at any given time they're, they're kind of spread over a long period of time there's a plan in place to play, to pay these things down over a long period of time so i wouldn't deduct these sorts of debts from your you know overall basket of money but the sorts of debts that you can deduct are things that are due. And, you know, these are very usually contained tangible debts that have become due. So, for example, uh, you know, your your brother lent you £2,000 and he's asking for that money back. You know, that £2,000 can be deducted within your overall zakat calculation so if you've got anything like that then you can deduct that when it comes to calculating zakat so that's tip number five and just to finish off on the tips a bonus tip actually that i picked up from ibrahim uh, in a phone call just before this podcast actually that when it comes to so let's say you've you've done your zakat you've done your zakat calculation it's coming out uh, you know whatever it is 500 quid a grand whatever what you can do is you can actually set a direct debit for it to be paid over the coming year. Now, I didn't actually know this. I don't know if you guys knew this, but it was a bit of a nugget that Ibrahim shared with me. And what he's basically done, for example, is set up a direct debit for for the coming year for himself to pay, you know, whatever in, in monthly installments to his chosen charity. And that way, he's not um, shelling out that amount of money in, in one hit. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing it in one hit either. Many of you might prefer to do that. It's, it's arguably, you know, a bit cleaner and some people just prefer to do it that way. But I, didn't, I just didn't know that you could uh, kind of set off your zakat in this way. So that's a little uh, Brucey bonus, if you like. So there we have it. That's our five tips plus a bonus on zakat i hope you found that useful now i promised you that i would tell you where to get the zakat guide that we've come up with if you just email us directly mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com we will send you back the zakat guide which goes into 
basically what we've discussed plus a lot more with some worked examples and so on so you you know it's a really good reference point for you as well not just for this year but for the coming years inshallah so do just drop us a line mosin at islamicfinanceguru.com ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com the other thing i wanted to mention was that rather excitingly ibrahim and i have been working in the background on the launch of ifg wills which as the name would suggest is a will writing service and the exciting thing about this is that we are trying to change the way wills are done because they're seen really as quite boring and quite morbid and i suppose by their very definition, they are, but they needn't be because you know Islamically we are encouraged. The Prophet said that we you know we should have a will. We shouldn't let you know two days pass without us writing a will, provided that we have something to put in a will, which you know most of us will do. So we're all about making that whole process you know a lot more modern, a lot more slick. And what we've done is come up with an interface that allows you to do that. So from the comfort of your own home, you can c come up with your will in 30 minutes, it gets sent over, gets checked over, legally signed off, signed off by a mufti, and you get your will. And all of that for uh, a price of 98 pounds, which we have kept deliberately really low because we want to democratize the whole process. We want to make the whole thing really clean, really simple, really cheap, and allow you guys to fulfill uh, an Islamic obligation of having a will. So if you've not checked it out yet, if you've not heard of it or you've not seen it, go to wills.islamicfinanceguru.com and you will be able to sign up for your will. And like I say, it, it genuinely does take 30 minutes or less. We've had some really, really good reviews, alhamdulillah. So do definitely check that out. And as ever, if you've got any comments, queries, questions, feedback, whatever it is, drop us a line directly. Mosin at islamicfinanceguru.com, Ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com. Wishing you all the best for the remainder of Ramadan. Inshallah, the next podcast will be next uh, Wednesday, which possibly is going to be Eid. So we, we, you know, we might not even be in, in Ramadan by the next time the next podcast comes out. So please make the most of your uh, remaining days of Ramadan and please do keep us in your du'as. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.